Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to the sound of the start of your weekend, the Not The Top 20 podcast betting show with me, Ali Maxwell, and him, George Ellick. We are especially excited this weekend, George, ahead of a busy weekend of Ryder Cup, sorry, of EFL, EFL action. Well done. Yes, we are. We're only going to talk about players on this podcast, so either American or European. (laughs) Certainly my goal scorer pick is European, similar to Lee Westwood, actually, because uh, he's English. <laughs> right, OK. Are Team Europe going to win? No, uh, sadly not. That's a shame. But I'm looking forward to watching us lose. <laughs> Me too. Uh, this podcast is sponsored by Betfair. This podcast is also for over 18s only, strictly. And we ask that everyone listening be gamble aware. Make sure you understand the risks that come with gambling. Never bet more than you're willing and can afford to lose. And certainly never chase losses either. Last week on this show was average to poor. Uh, George got his nap of Wickham and his lay of Borough correct. And I got my next best of MK Dons and my lay of Wimbledon up. Two out of five for both of us with no luck in the goal scorers and the goals bets. But the difference is getting your nap up rather than your NB means you end in the green as you did and in the red as I did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was hairy for a second. I mean, Wickham... Being 2 0 up at home to Charlton, I thought it was home and host. And then Charlton very nearly made it 2 all in the 93rd minute, having made it 2 1 in the 91st. I feel like I'm getting unlucky with these goal scorers, mate. I have to say, in the last two weeks, as I mentioned on last week's pod, I sat behind the goal and watched Sam Vokes go very close twice. And then last week, Will Yaskalainen's pulled off the save of the century to deny <laughs> Kane Hemmings. So I watched Quest. I-, I watched Quest and I knew. No, I was on Quest. I didn't watch Quest. Yeah. I was on Quest. And obviously I knew that you hadn't seen that yet because we hadn't even gone live yet when I saw the highlights package. And I just, I didn't even message you because I didn't want to ruin your Saturday night. But that was a sensational save about Yaskalainen. And I wasn't going to moan because I don't think it's very becoming of a podcast host. But if you're going to bring up the Hemmings chance and the Yaskalainen save, I've backed Troy Parrott two weeks in a row, 16 to five first time round and three to one last week against Pompey in that first game. 0.93 xg parrot had in that game four shots total bazunu thwarted him and then against jills six shots in total in that game 0.87 expected so across the two weeks 1.8 in total we got none <laughs> i feel both immensely justified and incredibly hard done by but although he's 11 to 4 to score against wickham and i'll be backing him i can't i don't think in good faith making my pick three weeks in a row do you reckon that would be the name if we were to have a, a book we'd write a punting book together it would be um, what do you say immensely justified but immensely frustrated yeah that would be perfect a worst selling punting book hey let's talk about this weekend's EFL action I'm going to let you tee off first your honour what's your nap what's your best bet Swindon Town to beat Colchester United at 21 to 20 uh, and it, it's in part to do with Swindon you know Swindon have had a decent start to the season uh, I'm not going to bother talking about whatever happened in the summer because that's old news now we know that this is a Swindon side who are probably at the very, very worst mid-table. Um, they're currently sitting in 10th with 12 points from their eight games. They've won three of those games, drawn three of those games. Looking at the XG tables, their XG against is is pretty strong, kind of somewhere between mid-table and the top half. Their XG4 is pretty strong. They they rank, I think, sixth uh, with 8.3, which doesn't isn't really reflected necessarily in how many goals they've scored. And I think we can probably expect them to start scoring some more. This is more to do with Colchester and it's kind of reminiscent of last season where Colchester have had an okay start. We saw them beat Barrow 3-2 away from home. We've seen them beat Oldham away from home, which is six points in itself. And 
is enough when you add a couple of draws against Rochdale and Mansfield to, to have them, you know, pretty comfortable uh, away from the relegation zone. But the data is troubling again, Ali. You know, we said about 10 games into last season, they were in, in this area and they were not registering basically anything going forward in terms of XG numbers, which basically means they're not creating very much at all going forward. And the numbers at the moment are perilously bad. Um, looking at, in their attacking sense, they've had the fewest shots in the division with 44. They have um, scored only three goals so far and their XG is only 4.3. So they're not overperforming it at all. They That is the second joint second worst in the whole division. So you'd think, obviously, they are defending better. Well, yes, they've conceded five goals, but those five goals have come from 79 shots, which is the third, joint third most conceded and 9.5 XG against the third worst in the whole division. Those two numbers combined are an absolute disaster waiting to happen. And unless things change, I'm afraid, Colchester fans, things have to improve, the performances have to improve. And you're coming up against the Swindon side, I think, on Saturday, who are due a bit of luck in front of goal as well. So I think Swindon are rightful favourites. You know, they're 21 to 20 at home here, but I think they should be odds on. I think they should win this fairly comfortably. Colchester, one of two things is going to happen. Either their luck's going to run out and they're going to start conceding more goals or they're going to improve defensively. If that happens, then fair play. Um, but I think Swindon rank is a very, very strong bet. I, I should caveat that by by saying the, the numbers I've just mentioned there are all open play numbers. The XG numbers, I mean... Colchester have conceded one from a set piece. They've scored one from a set piece. I think they've conceded one own goal that doesn't show up. Um, but I'm looking at this as being the way the game pattern is going to go. So, yeah, I think that Swindon should have the, the, the upper hand here in the way that the game is played. I agree with you. A1, straight down the middle. Well done, George. Good start. Uh, my nap is Leighton Orient, also in League 2, to beat Mansfield Town at 6-5. to five. I've been something of a, a Mansfield Town appreciator no a hopeful is probably the right word and now after eight games I'm coming around to the fact that Mansfield probably aren't going to win league two this season it's taken me what what is that about 20% of the season to work work that out because I was clinging on to it but I mean high profile defensive issues they also have a bit of an injury crisis at centre-back not quite as bad as needing to play youth team players or anything like that but their only fit centre-backs are Rawson and Hewitt uh, I don't think Hewitt is particularly popular with the manager I'm not sure he would ideally be playing centre-back if Clough had his way and if he had more options uh, not only that but right back Kellen Gordon has gone for a scan on his knee uh, according to Clough which I don't think bodes too well either Kellen Gordon uh, the right back very important for Mansfield going forward they play this diamond formation, quite narrow in midfield and up top. And, and Gordon and McLaughlin on the other side, the left back, so important for their width and their delivery. Uh, Gordon on the right side. So um, I think if his likely replacement is James Clark, young player who hasn't played a lot of senior football, certainly doesn't have, to my eyes anyway, the mobility or the crossing and the accuracy of, of Gordon, then I think that not only defensively could that be potentially an issue, but that could stifle them somewhat going forward as well. The, the issue with Stag's poor defending isn't just that they're conceding a goal or two every single game without fail, but that since it's got bad and since it went quite public with Clough talking about it in his post-match, the whole team unit as a whole seems to have lost some confidence and that's impacted them going forward as well. They've regressed a bit uh, on the attacking end. Maybe, you know, 
in trying to plug gaps in the defence. And they've struggled in their recent games against teams that I think are worse than Leighton Orient because Jacket's side have been hugely impressive. And I think along with Bradford are probably uh, the second and third best team in the league in, in my mind's ratings anyway at this point behind Forest Green. And they're not a good opponent to play if you're up against it a bit because they're a good all-round team. And if you're a little soft defensively, if you're a little unsure of yourselves, then I think Harry Smith particularly is going to exploit that. We've seen that in the last few weeks. Uh, when it comes to Orient, there's just a lot making sense at the moment. They switched to 3-5-2 uh, the very start of this month. And every part of that kind of makes sense now. They have a, a very solid back line. That gets the best out of the wingbacks, Wood and James. Both of them known for sort of strong delivery from wide positions, much more so than they are their defensive capabilities. And that, in turn, is perfect for big Harry Smith and Aaron Drinnen, who are scoring the goals up top. And, and with Prattley and Clay in midfield, it's fairly functional, I would say, which is quite normal in a 3-5-2. In a uh, and then they sprinkle a little bit of stardust with either Theo Archibald or Dan Kemp. So I'm I'm all in on Leighton Orient at this point. That without the ball, clearly a very solid unit. The Opta data now has them as the best defensive team in open play in League Two. And and going forward, they could be running fairly hot. They're massively overperforming their XG at the moment, and we probably won't expect them to keep scoring two goals per game. But crosses into the box at the moment are causing havoc for Orient opposition, and I think that'll be the approach here with with Rawson and Hewitt not on the aerially dominant side of the spectrum. Orient have won three and four at home. They had a horror show against Harrogate in midweek a few weeks ago, but otherwise they've beaten Exeter, a good side, 3-0. They beat Bradford, a good side, 2-0. And Oldham, a bad side, 4-0. And I think Mansfield are probably in between your Oldhams and your Bradfords at this point. So maybe it's a, a 2-0. That's what I think. Uh, I like Leighton Orient to do the business here at 6-5. to five. And given how much Mansfield have let me down whenever I've backed them, George, fully expecting a 5-0 Mansfield win. But... That's the game, isn't it? Next best for you? Yeah, Harrogate to beat Stevenage uh, is my next best. Um, Harrogate are even money to win this. I think if this game had happened a couple of weeks ago, they'd have been much shorter and rightly so. Uh, Stevenage, possibly the most disappointing team in League Two so far, maybe. Um, you and I both had high, high hopes for them after a decent season last season under Alex Ravel. They started the season with back-to-back -back wins um, and looked well set to... Um, go a lot better than, than many people imagined but it's all unravelled pretty quickly now um, they are eight games in all competitions without winning losing six of them um, the two draws coming in the in the league albeit against decent opposition at home to um, Port Vale and Swindon um, but they've looked very poor you know that 2-0 that win away at Bristol Rovers that looked good at the time you know Bristol Rovers have done nothing to frank that form at all a 4-0 defeat last time against Forest Green where they didn't really show up. They lost to Sutton before that as well. Um, their away record is very poor. And it, it seems to me like they might be, because we upgraded them in our heads, maybe we're ignoring the fact that they are serious relegation candidates. You know, we often talk about who else is there apart from Oldham and, and, um, and Scunthorpe. Well, Bristol Rovers are one and Stevenage are another. Uh, Harrogate, after such a fast start, have maybe stuttered a little bit, but it's easy to get kind of carried away on just how much. Um, they took the lead against Crawley, went 2-1 behind and couldn't break down a 10-man Crawley for the last 25 minutes or so uh, at 2 all. Um, the 2-0 defeat at Port Vale, I don't think is an issue. I think Port Vale are a very, very good side on their day. And this just looks to me like a, you know, a top eight team playing at home against a bottom four team with even money being a, a pretty generous way to to get with quite clearly the better side. We'd have to see a big improvement from Stevenage in order to, to keep them at bay. I don't see really much reason why I would see that. So, um, yeah, Harrogate, 
we know the way that they like to play. We know that they're going to take the game to Stevenage and, and attack wherever possible. And given how many goals Stevenage have conceded so far, the form of of, of Luke Armstrong as well, I, I don't expect them to be able to deal with it. So Harrogate, even money, my next best. Two great bits of justification so far, George. I think that's a green in regulation for sure. Lovely. Can I chip in? Yeah. Get it? Chip in? Put the puns away. Nice. Doesn't Thanks. really work, does it? Um, Exeter at Hartlepool is my next best. This is a, a League 2 podcast by the looks of things. Exeter are 2-1 to one to win at Hartlepool this weekend. And I think I know why, and I also think that it's generous. So um, let me tell you why. Exeter... Their numbers, their performances and their results have been trending the right way after what was a really slow start to the season, a miserable first few games, basically. But they are now firmly in stride uh, and they're looking like a good side. Probably, you know, I just spoke about Orient and Bradford for me, maybe being just below or a fair bit below, actually, Forest Green in, in my ratings. Well, I think Exeter probably not on their level, but not too far below that in that sort of playoff chasing pack um, in my head anyway. Now, they're playing against Hartlepool, who have won all four home games this season. So that's where I think the, the generous 2-1 to one comes from for Exeter. Hartlepool's home form has been undeniably good. They've beaten Crawley, Walsall, Carlisle and Bristol Rovers. And if I was being very harsh I'd say they haven't really beaten a good team at home yet and I would certainly point to the fact that of those wins most of them were narrow most of them were thanks to one of Tyler Bury who is now out long term uh, or Gavin Hollihan who's missed the last three games and Hartlepool really struggling to create and score goals in their absence I think their quality was probably the difference between them firing blanks and, and nicking wins because their defence is so good that they do give themselves a chance to win every game really Hollihan's situation re- remains unclear his scan was bad news he's got a groin injury and the scan was bad and and Dave Challoner the manager has these amazing quotes where he basically says that uh, Hollihan's symptoms don't match up with the severity of the scan so that they might just ignore the scan results uh, and just see how it goes. So we'll see if Hollihan is back, but he, he, he hasn't been in any matchday squads for the last three. So um, hard to imagine that he'll be chucked straight in. And outside of those two, again, this might sound harsh, but outside of Jamie Sterry, the, the right wing back and his crossing from deep, I don't think Hartlepool have a player who's proven that they can impact games in the final third so far this season. You know, the two that I mentioned, uh, one is definitely out, one might be out. And then you've just got Sterry at right wing back, pinging in crosses um, to a number of targets who haven't hit the ground running yet. So, you know, we saw Hartlepool at Sutton the other day. Maybe that was an off night, but they were pretty desperately poor, to be honest. They didn't trouble Sutton at all when they couldn't keep them at bay either. Although it was only 1-0, I think probably... 2-0, might have been a, a, a more fair reflection of the game. Um, and they didn't look to have a ton of attacking ideas other than trying to get Sterry into crossing positions. So uh, I'm not sure Hartlepool are probably quite as good at this exact moment as their league position might suggest and their home form so far. Uh, whereas Exeter, I think, are getting better. Uh, I think they're starting to purr. They've got a settled shape now. The old 3-4-3 or 3-4-1-2 with... Giovanni Brown and Matt Jay uh, just buzzing around Sam Nombe. It's exciting. And I think it makes, you know, everything kind of makes sense now, a bit like what I said about Orient. So I don't see extra smashing Hartlepool like they do with some teams. I don't think they'll be able to cut loose because Hartlepool's defensive numbers are excellent, as we know. Um, but I'm just leaning on that front three, Jay, Brown, Nombe, to be able to do enough to, to get a goal or two and win this game. I, I think the two to one about Exeter is a, a generous price. And that's exactly what I'm after for my next best each week, George. So there you go. There's our four picks so far, all in League Two. Don't forget, no cash-out suspensions. 
on match odds for all EFL games. That's applicable to singles and multiples. No cash out suspensions whatsoever on the Betfair Sportsbook. Uh, we're now going to make use of its exchange with a lay bet, George. We did well with these last week. We got both of them up. Yeah, I keep saying that I'm not that strong on these lays and then they win. So maybe I should be a bit stronger. Um, I am laying baggies tomorrow night, Friday night, at home to QPR. Now, I still think that West Brom are very, very good, and I still think the West Brom are probably going to go up. Um, they've lo- they've drawn three games in a row against Millwall, Derby, and Preston. Um, so, certainly that that really fast start has been curtailed somewhat, and they're struggling to score the amount of goals I think we we anticipated them too. Because, yeah, I mean, it looks at the moment like if you stop them from creating from set pieces it goes quite a long way to stopping them from scoring at all. Now, they had came up against a very, very good Kelarus who, who probably stopped them from getting the win there. But here, they look like a, a very, very short price to beat a side in QPR, who I still, despite having, you know, I think it's back-to-back defeats against Bournemouth and against Bristol City, still have them down as, as a good side. You know, the one, they're 1.77 to lay at the moment. I think you can probably lay them for 1.75 because there's a fair bit. Um, you can have at 1.73 at the moment. So 1.75 delay. Um, just against a decent side who who have enough height in defence um, to be okay, I think, from set pieces, who have shown themselves with Ilias Chair and Willock that they have enough cre- creativity, especially on the counter, to, to create as well, who have options up front, whether it's uh, Lyndon Dykes, who's probably been the best in the league so far this season, Charlie Austin, who scored twice against Everton, a decent Everton side as well in midweek with two headers, Andre Gray, another one who they have options with as well. It just seems too short to me. Um, you know, West Brom are clearly the more likely winners, but for a team who, for which there's a bit of a crisis of confidence, where possibly the West Brom fans are starting to doubt Valerian Ishmael a little bit, which I don't think is right. But remember, fans are now back in here. So if things don't get off to a great start, that can only play into QPR's hands. And they'll have a right go at it as well. My only concern is that QPR will approach this game in a very, very different way to the teams I mentioned there who got the points, who look to basically play for for a point um, very early on in the game. But but I think 1.75 for, for basically any side really against QPR at the moment seems to be too short. So that's who I'm looking to lay on Saturday. Oh, well. I was going to say on Saturday, on Friday. Hmm. There are so many short prices across the EFL this weekend. And I was kind of licking my lips initially. And then I, I, I was just a bit scared off by most of them. I could kind of understand most of the shortness of price. Um, my lay is not a strong one. It is Wigan uh, against Cheltenham this week. I, I think that Wigan, who have won four league games in a row to hit the top of League One, and were particularly good against Accrington, albeit Accrington's performance was pretty dire from the very moment the whistle blew. I think that Cheltenham represent an awkward opponent for Wigan. Uh, I think both in terms of their comfort out of possession and the fact that I think you need to have a bit of creativity in midfield in order to to break them down if Cheltenham are, are absolutely at it. And of course, they're the sort of team, and Mike Duffer said himself, he's like, in our position, with our budget, with our squad, we're not going to play well every single game. But when we do, we're going to give everyone a very good game. And um, I think they've improved over the last few weeks. Uh, they obviously got a good win against Oxford uh, in the previous game. And I really think that not only can they frustrate Wigan in sitting in and, and trying to get on top of Charlie Wyke and Lang and the other talented attacking players, um, denying any sort of space uh, for good deliveries into White, but I think 
they can also potentially hurt Wigan uh, on the other end. We saw against Oxford last weekend that they, well, they, they played their game plan pretty well. I think they understood that they were going to uh, have large spells out of possession and they were going to have to bunker in at times and they soaked up your pressure mostly pretty well. Uh, James Henry from range, I think you said, was was Oxford's sort of big avenue of, uh, mm. of shots and that's what I expect them to do here. But of course, because they've got two up top, whether it's Carl Joseph and Alfie May, as it was uh, combining for the goal against Oxford, Carl Vassell, who scored in midweek in the um, Carabao Cup, I think they've got good options. So I think that with that two up top, they always retain a threat on the counter-attack. And that's a big difference to a lot of other teams who maybe have a talent disadvantage and who basically find themselves defending for, for, for whole swathes of game without much of an outball. I think Cheltenham do have that. Uh, and I think that they can therefore give Wigan a bit of grief. So look, I'm, I'm very much aware that Wigan's good form and their league position uh, reflects what a strong start to the season they've had. Uh, but I'm going to put up a small lay of them. Uh, I've actually been matched already at 1.85 because I like Cheltenham. I think they're in good shape at the moment. Uh, Wigan aren't going to win every game from now on to the rest of the season. And I think their winning run stops here. So Wigan, my lay at 1.85. Uh, goals bets, George. Reading against Middlesbrough. Back in BTTS at 20 to 23. Middlesbrough are a side who are perceived to be pretty low scoring under Neil Warnock because of Warnock's reputation. And so far, it has kind of played out that way in the league. Um, you know, you look, they've scored nine goals, conceded 10. But looking at the data itself, defensively, they've been basically mid-table. And going forward, they've been basically mid-table. So I think it doesn't really necessarily ring two. I think they're not a side who we can just basically draw a line through them ever having a, a high-scoring game. And with Reading, they are just a side who I'm happy to bet on goals, whatever, 15 goals for, 18 against. Defensively, they know they are very weak, which means they have to commit men forward. In Ovi and John Swift, they have two of the best attacking players in the whole division who are both in form at the moment. I, I don't see why this would be anything but an end-to-end game. You know, there's discontent at Borough after their defeat against Blackpool, so Neil Warnett will look for a reaction just in terms of t- of personnel as well. This is a Borough team who are very different to the one we saw last season. Um, you know, Sparrow has come in and looks impressive. Crooks, of course, playing at 10, but also the players that you want to see, Ali. I know that um, certainly Martin Piero has started coming off the bench recently and other attacking-minded players as well. So I, I think the onus and uh, the onus maybe with O'Neill as well to Ooh, come in too. Nice. Um yeah, I think it should be a pretty open game. I, I feel like this is mainly a case of Borough being involved. So therefore, you know, the, the market not expecting goals. But I think any Reading, Reading are just a team at the moment to follow for goals. And I don't see why this will be any different. So I, I don't think that um, Reading will probably have enough to keep Borough out for the whole game. And I think they will be attacking as ever. So BTTS 20 to 23, the way I'm looking here, especially, you know, with the rumours of a, a points deduction as well. Suddenly, you know, draws don't really cut it for Reading. They've got to win games mm. and they'll be setting out both teams need to win this game and they'll be setting out to do so. So in this section last week, I went for an under 1.5 goals double. It did not get up, but I had one in midweek before that that did. And as a general theme, I'd like to test this out, see if it could be a good long-term option for this segment. I'm not just going to give up because last week's didn't go to plan. What I'm going to do, George, or what I did rather, was work harder, work smarter. Uh, and the best thing about having a puppy that hates sleeping and loves barking is that I now don't sleep either. I can't because of 
said barking. So um, loads of, of hours in the day, loads more hours in the day. And what I'm enjoying doing between the hours of sort of 6am and 9am is putting on a pot of coffee and doing some exceptionally niche EFL research to help my betting show numbers. Uh, in this instance, the question was this morning, what makes an under 1.5 goals game in League 2 this season? So I looked at every single game so far in League 2 this season that has finished 1-0 either way or 0-0. I was just looking for trends really that I could apply to picks so that I wasn't just taking a stab in the dark. And and look, the, the conclusions are, cannot be taken that seriously because you, you need a way bigger sample size in this sort of instance to get any conclusions. But it doesn't mean that there weren't a couple of things that were chucked up that I would like to test out. And what is life, George, if you're a researcher like me and you never test your theories? That's what this is all about. And I want to see if uh, this can kind of apply to under 1.5 doubles on this section of the show for the next few weeks. We'll see how we go. Uh, I basically think that the strongest theme that stood out, it wasn't necessarily based on... Uh, attack versus defence matchups, by which I mean, you know, I looked into what happens when you have a team that's good at defending, bad at attacking against another team good at defending and bad at attacking. Does that just equal low margin games? Uh, the answer is not, not really. I think the, the the thing that caught my eye the most, which is what I'm going to use today, was kind of formational and in some cases stylistic similarities. I guess I would sum it up as do these teams and their shape and their formation kind of cancel each other out? And that's what I've picked really here. Two matches where I think the expected shape and formation kind of match each other up and, and the teams involved also mostly involved in very low margin games so far this season. The first one is Walsall against Bristol Rovers. Difficult to that accurately predict uh, Barton's formation here because he switched a lot recently. They've played three at the back a lot this season. But in trying to pick up a win recently, he has flipped it a little bit. Uh, I think they'll go for it at the back here. And that's what Wolves will play, 4-2-3-1. These are both low-margin teams lacking a lot of confidence in attack. Um, both of them in terms of goal expectancy overall, in terms of total XG numbers for their games so far this season, down towards the bottom of the season. Walsall in that sort of third quarter. And Rovers right towards the bottom in the, in the fourth quarter. And then Salford against Northampton. Northampton, 4-4-2, uh, direct. Salford, you could argue it's 4-4-2 uh, with McElhenney in a sort of withdrawn forward role or McElhenney in a 10 role uh, in a 4-2-3-1. It doesn't matter too much. It's, it's all kind of semantics, but mostly very similar shapes. Um, uh, Salford, they are actually fairly good in terms of underlying numbers going forward. T to green, they've been very good, put it that way, but they haven't been able to putt. Uh, their finishing's been very bad. But Northampton are just a high-performing defensive side themselves with five clean sheets this season. So, um, look, I probably could have picked these two out without doing all the research, but, you know, such is life. My under 1.5 double is uh, just over 7-1 to one with Betfair Sportsbook, 8.25, in fact, uh, and it's Salford against Northampton and Walsall against Bristol Rovers. Just a reminder that if you bet £20 on multiples or bet builders on the Betfair Sportsbook, you'll receive a £5 free bet to use also on multiples or bet builders. T's and C's do apply and you can find those on the site. But now it's time for goal scorers. Yeah, I'm backing Jamie Proctor first and last, 7-2 to each, uh, to score against Scunthorpe for Port Vale. I'm backing Port Vale to win this game. Um, not quite as strong as those first two, but I think they are good value, just a shade of odds on to do so. Proctor scored four goals already. They came in two games. He scored two braces back-to-back, but Scunthorpe have the worst goals uh, XG against in the whole division from open play. Um, I, I kind of increasingly think that, especially at League 2 level, quite often... 
your skill as a goal scorer is can be overrated and it's more just being the person playing in a side who are capable of creating chances you know we've seen with Harry Smith somebody who has never been particularly prolific before suddenly playing in a decent side scoring a lot of goals Proctor is similar you know he, he's had a couple of seasons scoring 10 12 13 um, but he's never really been given um, a proper run out playing for a, a, a decent side and Port Vale definitely looked like that He's averaging 1.0.59 xG per game. You can think you probably upgrade that up against weaker opposition. Um, so yeah, I think he ranks pretty strongly here at uh, seven to two, both first and last. He's quite short anytime. Um, I don't necessarily think Vale are going to win this kind of three four nil or whatever. So I'm, I'm happy just to take those two and leave the anytime. Um, but that's my goal scorer bet. Hopefully, get some luck this time and, and get it up. Well, I'm so sad about Troy Parrott that I'm going back to a pair of comfy slippers and that is backing a centre-back to score anytime in this instance at 20 to 1 and his name is Connor Shaughnessy of Burton Albion. Uh, Shaughnessy's had 10 attempts already this season, all of them inside the penalty area, uh, eight of them following set-piece situations. I picked uh, Ryan Leak a few weeks ago, didn't I? A couple of games into the season. But actually, Shaughnessy's taken his place in the team, or rather, Leak has lost his place. Um, and I think Shaughnessy, playing for this Burton side, who love to chuck a ball into the box from anywhere, uh, I think it's it's one of them where it's kind of only a matter of time that this guy who's, who's getting on the end of a lot of those and having a lot of attempts uh, is going to have one that deflects in or finds the corner or he hits a worldie. I'm hoping that it's this weekend against Crew. Burton have had 42 shots from set-piece situations so far this season. That's the second best record in League One. And Lincoln have faced 32 set-piece shots, which is the fifth worst record in the division. All of that adds up to me thinking Shaughnessy of Burton is going to have a chance this weekend. And at 20 to 1 any time, I think that that is a very exciting pick. So there you go. Uh, that's it for from us today on the Not The Top 20 podcast betting show. The game's coming, yep, that's right, thick and fast at the moment, <laughs> and it's hard to keep up. But we hope you've enjoyed this show. Get in touch with us on Twitter at NTT20pod if you have, or if you haven't, but ideally if you have enjoyed it. Um, and all that's left is for George and I to recap our selections ahead of the weekend. George, take it away. Yeah, the nap is Swindon, um, home to Colchester. Harrogate, home to Stevenage, the next best. Laying baggies at home to QPR on Friday night. At BTTS, Reading against Borough. And goal scorer is Proctor of Port Vale to score first and last. Um, so two separate bets there. Split your stakes, 7-2. to two. My nap is Leighton Orient at 6-5 to five to beat Mansfield. Uh, next best, Exeter, 2-1 to one to win at Hartlepool. I'm laying Wigan at 1.85 against Cheltenham Town. An under 1.5 double at just over 7-1, to 8.25, and it's Salford versus Northampton and Walsall versus Bristol Rovers to go under 1.5 goals. Uh, and my goal scorer is Connor Shaughnessy of Burton Albion. It's with our fingers crossed, touching wood, and with hope in our hearts that we head into the weekend. I uh, hope you've enjoyed listening to this. Many thanks to our sponsors, Betfair, Sportsbook and Exchange Offerings that Betfair have. And we'll join you again on the Monday podcast on the Not The Top 20. Can't wait.